Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we discuss an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and with me, I've got Liam. In the words of Prime Minister Saiji Akochi, there is no danger of it coming ashore. What? It has? <laughs> and Mitch. <laughs> Terrible. You should have to put a warning before you make that sound. That was pretty good, Mitch. That sounded like the bridge in the song Knife Party by Deftones. I was trying to sound like the monster, so I guess I kind of failed. Also, God willing, that's the only weird thing that we'll hear today because that voice appears to be gone. Cool. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we made it. solved, fellas. I guess. <laughs> Thanks, November. Thank you, November. Hopefully it doesn't come back for Christmas festivities. Oh, gosh. Maybe it will. It'll just show up like a drunk uncle at <laughs> Christmas hey! family dinner. I am here to you say inappropriate things. <laughs> okay, weird vibes to start. Let's talk about Godzilla. Not just any Godzilla. Shin Godzilla, which um is our second time branching out of the English language. For the oh, wait, 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 wait. Trivia question. I know Corey must know it, but Mitch, what was oh. the first time? Oh, I'm also thinking about it because I don't know either. I don't know. I don't know. It was very recent. I thought it was called Shin Godzilla because he's knee high. <laughs> it was. It was a very recent does, episode. That does we Phantom didn't... of the Opera count? It was the silent language, the language no, it was, of mime. It was pretty close to that. <laughs> Do you guys actually not remember? Well, I think every single episode that we have is kind of in the universal language of love because I love everyone that listens to the show. Lady Snowblood, fellas. Oh shit! Oh, that would do right. it. That would do yeah, it. Yeah. Not we talked about porno, yeah. and swords, and blood. You guys didn't even remember. Forgettable film. Cameron I, I was gotta, there. I gotta concede. Forgettable film. That one. Oh uh, well, I guess that means you think Cameron's a forgettable friend. <laughs> <But he's Cameron>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So what, what does that say about Mitch, who's known the guy for like a decade and a half? <laughs> well, I keep, whatever I it is, forget it. <laughs> whatever it is, it's not good. Um, Shin Godzilla is a movie that came out in 2016. Um, we're gonna call it that. I have seen multiple English titles that have also been used. Really? Uh, they're all stupid. I want to hear them. Um, Let's hear it. Yeah. I'll be the judge of that. Well, I saw Godzilla Returns and Godzilla nope. Resurgence, and both nope. of those are shit. No. So we're going to call it Shin Godzilla, which is the movie's name. Uh, so we're going to stick with that. Do you? Um, do you, either of you guys know what Shin Godzilla means Like in that language? I, like, I have what no is the idea. So uh, the movie is called that because the word shin has several different meanings um if i understand correctly uh it can mean new it can mean true or it can mean god so Dang. all of those options those are different interpretations of the word yeah um and then uh that just got ported over i will say the posters that i've seen for the movie since don't use whatever americanized title they thought about using they all just say shin godzilla and then in japan it would have been shin gojira instead so right that's yeah what I, we're working with i i remember when this movie came out hearing about it over yeah. here and uh i only ever heard shin godzilla and yeah, saw that I, poster and stuff i think the uh americanized title was in like 
early previews, like teaser trailers, like really early ones. Um, oh, actually, I just found the answer. Um, Funimation distributed the movie here as Shin Godzilla instead of Godzilla Resurgence at the insistence of Toho, so the company that made the movie. Hey, I dig it. Stand up for yourselves, Toho. Yeah, yeah. good title. And so this movie is directed by two people. It's got co-directors. We have um, Hideaki Anno. Does that name ring a bell to either of you? Not to me. No. Hideaki Anno is the creator of Neon Genesis Evangelion. I don't even know what that is. I've heard of this. It's you don't like, know what uh, it is at all? No, man. I live under a, under a oh, rock. Oh, man. I am not like... the guy to explain it to you is the problem. Okay. It's it's like a, one of the seasons of like Inuyasha, right? Yeah. Well, by which you mean an anime. Yes. Right. right um, right. It was a limited series anime that's gotten several spinoff and reboot movies. Um, it's uh, mecha anime. There is uh, a boy named Shinji who's very sad. Shinji. Um and uh getting the robot shinji that's all i really know about it i tried watching it and i i got through a couple episodes and i stopped not because it was bad um by any stretch but just because i just was not clicking with it at all so i can't tell you a lot about it unfortunately yeah um if you want to know more about neon genesis evangelion reach out to our friend keiki who gave me all the information i needed to know about hideaki ano to not sound like a dumbass so i will give that information to you now uh because he's a really prolific um and interesting dude and i don't want to undersell that uh but i was not the guy to have all this information um early in his career he was kind of like an animation prodigy he actually dropped out of animation school to focus on the career of animation uh he did contract work at studio ghibli um was lead animator on one of the action sequences near the end of nasca and the valley of the wind and then Mm -hmm. studio gynax is the studio that he founded with some other people that made neon genesis evangelion uh but early work that they did at that studio did not go very well in terms of production uh and he himself was very depressed during that time and so ava when it was made was very like dark and grim and kind of cerebral especially compared to a lot of other tv anime at the time uh it also had a darker um a difficult production i should say and budgetary restrictions so near the end of that show they start having to use like storyboards and voiceover because they ran out of money to finish making it Hmm. Um, but they spin that into just being like sort of abstract thematic and narrative choices um but the show in the movie that came after end of evangelion was like a huge fucking gigantic smash hit um despite all of those characteristics um potentially playing against it in some senses like you might have heard when it got dropped onto netflix everybody was pissed because um the credits song was uh was fly me to the moon and the netflix didn't license it so it had a different end credit song and everybody was mad <laughs> um <laughs> like but uh so hideaki ano really broke big there um and then he moved away from that studio that he founded and into film uh, he ended up having to fill, uh, found another studio to try to get Gynax money because there was a whole difficulty there. Uh, and just a very complicated but interesting career. And then notably, Mitch, um, like you were saying, uh, there are other like Shin insert character name projects. Um, right. He's working on Shin Common Rider right now. Common uh, Rider, in my very basic understanding, um, is a oh geez i said the word wrong last time and mitch made fun of me for it 
Um, well, I feel very badly if I did. I, d- I didn't mean anything by it. Just go for it again, and I won't say anything. I need to look up the word, though. Mm-hmm. Tokusatsu kind of TV show. Essentially, think of it kind of like Power Rangers. I'm being reductive, but it's a show kind of like Power Rangers, and there's a guy on a motorcycle, and it came out in the 70s, and they're making another one of those, uh, and he's working on that. And then the other director um, on this uh, is named Shinji Higuchi. He was in the art department on Neon Genesis Evangelion, so they worked together before. Um, he did Attack on Titan Parts 1 and 2, and he is currently in post-production on Shin Ultraman. Um, Ultraman, I believe, is a similar kind of show to that. I think uh, I always think that Ultraman was in a Godzilla movie, and then I forget that that was a character named Jet Jaguar for some reason that I think a kid made up. <laughs> so uh, you can look up Ultraman if you want, but it's the same kind of tokusatsu tv show um which i guess really only means that it uses a lot of special effects but like sentai stuff counts so that's why i'm saying power rangers because everybody here at least knows what power rangers is as a baseline um hideaki ano also wrote the movie um and then sean whitley has a writing credit for the english version of the movie i'm assuming he maybe localized it for a dub um, and that would be where that credit comes from. Mm. He has done a boatload of anime. Uh, the cinematography is by Kosuke Yamada, who um, had one movie title that made me uh, absolutely bust a gut when I read it for the first time, uh, which was "I'm not un- or rather I'm underage, but I'm not a child." That's the name of that's the uh, title of, of a movie. <laughs> wow. Huh. Uh, he also worked on something called Silent Tokyo and something called Hot Road, which also kind of made me laugh. Um, all, all of those sound like stand-up comedy specials. Not to be confused with Hot Rod. Not to be confused with Hot Rod at all. Or Hot um, the, Fuzz. Hideaki Anno also has an editing credit on this movie. It's the first time he's done that. Uh, and it was also edited by Atsuki Sato, who worked on something called Garm Wars The Last <laughs> Druid, which also made me laugh. Um, it's a fun title. And then uh, the music is by Shiro Sagisu, who worked on Attack on Titan Parts 1 and 2, which um, Shinji Higuchi did, and also worked on Mobile Suit Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans. Have to give that a shout-out. Did some work on Berserk and worked on the Evangelion reboot movies. So that's Evangelion 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, and 3.0 plus 1.01. And I've actually had to simplify those titles by leaving the subtitles out because the subtitles also have parentheses and shit in them. They're very convoluted. Uh, so we'll leave that there. The cast list for this movie is really fucking long, so I've condensed it slightly. <laughs> Which is funny, because if you go on the Wikipedia page, there are only three credits that are individualized. I don't know why points. the Wikipedia page did that. That's so weird. And then the rest is just like a, a pile of, it says, cameos and supporting appearances all in one paragraph. It's very strange. Yeah, because uh, I would even argue that we have more than three primary characters here. So it's weird There's a lot of characters. There's a lot of characters, yeah. I think I think there's a reason for that. We'll talk about that. <laughs> to condense this, um, this is not everybody, and I have not really looked into the careers much, or else we'd be here all day. Um, but here are some names. <laughs> um, Hiroki, Hasegawa, Yutaka, Takanuchi, Satomi Ishihara, Ren Osugi, Akira Emoto, Kengo Kora, Mikako Ichikawa, Jun Kunimura, Pierre Taki, Kusaku Shimada, Ken 
Mitsuishi, Shingo Surumi, Kimiko Yo, Takumi Saito, Takashi Fujiki, Yu Kamio, Suzuki Matsuo, Takahiro Miura, Bob Worley, Marichin, <laughs> Atsuko Maeda, Ren Mori, Kazuohara, Shinya Sukamoto, and Akira Ogata. I am so sorry if I got a lot of those very wrong. I tried my best. I think I did an okay job. And um, I'd say the character names that you're likely to hear the most uh, are from those top three actors. So I will at least also say those. Uh, I would say the closest thing this movie has to a protagonist is Rando Yaguchi. And then his sort of mentor figure was Hideki Akasaka. And um, then we have the U.S. Envoy, uh, which was Kyoko and Patterson. This movie is about the way japan's political infrastructure responds to the natural disaster that is the arrival of godzilla there you go there's really not a whole lot more to it than that don't waste any time i mean godzilla's there like four at four minutes and 20 seconds perfect so this yeah this movie focuses on the perspective of um politicians and bureaucrats and military leading brass and executives both coming to grips with the situation that's happening, trying to understand the situation as it's unfolding to them and implementing a response, like a crisis response, something that like you'd see after like a earthquake or tsunami or something uh, that sort of morphs into more of a military operation when Godzilla becomes an apparent threat, but, and it examines kind of like it satirizes as much as it examines, I think um, the levels of bureaucracy and, red tape in the way that responses to disaster can become inefficient by virtue of all these steps and levels and also um to a certain extent people being concerned with keeping their jobs even if things are going poorly um and we'll get more into the thematic level of that now but yeah this is uh in short a movie about the political response to a uh kaiju attack which is really at this point, 800 fucking Godzilla movies in is maybe the best move um, is to just try something really new. Uh, but before we get into this movie, I did mean to ask a little bit earlier to each of you, what is your history with the Godzilla movies? Very limited. I saw I saw one. I think, was there one with Brian Cranston? 2014, yeah. the Gareth Edwards. Okay. Yeah. So I saw that one, and I, I've seen like some of the, I think maybe the first one from the 50s. Um but beyond that, I haven't really seen very much other than like, you know, catching bits and pieces of it. On to like, be fair, television. there is 36 of them. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not really like a huge like sort of kaiju. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it, but but, you know, yeah, the, it that is. particular genre of movie. I'm not not like huge into that. I've seen like Mothra and I think that's kind of like it. But, but uh, people love Mothra. The Mothra one's good. Yeah. The one from the 60s is is uh, a lot of fun. I, I saw that one. Yeah. Night. But yeah, again, super super limited. I'm not I'm not the best person to be speaking to this kind of uh, genre or, or this franchise. But well, I think this movie's yeah. good for you then because it's maybe the least like the other ones. Yeah, <laughs> in that respect. Uh, what about you, Liam? Even less than Mitch. Um, I haven't seen any Godzilla movie. Wow. Um, the only 
significant interest I've had in seeing any Godzilla movie is actually this one. Um, when it came out in 2016, I remember hearing about it. I heard that a lot of it is just people talking in a boardroom as Godzilla is ravaging the streets. And I thought that sounds really, really cool. Um, and so I meant to see it at that time. It just didn't happen. And and in regards to the other Godzilla movies, it just, I never started. And so I guess it just, it never happened. There are so many movies, like Corey said, like 36, 37 of them. There are so many movies that uh, it's almost like they're they're easy to miss because right. there's so yeah. many of well, them. Well, in the 70s and 60s, they were churning one out like almost every year. Yeah. And I think, right? to be, I think to be fair, like even though you and I don't really have that much experience with these movies, I feel like we're all like very familiar with what they look like just by like the, the be, being it. alive. And it's just belongs to like a collective constellation of movies that everybody kind of knows. Like, you know what you're, what you're going to get. Yeah. I will say if you guys ever want to check it out, the Showa era movies. So like from the original up to terror of Mechagodzilla are all on criterion channel. So they're like readily available streaming uh ready to go um i am the most experienced person here then uh, and i've only seen nine of them that's, that's, <laughs> that's a considerable a amount my that's gosh nine of any movie is so many you're, you're just being diffident that's that's quite a lot yeah but like that's like over the course of 24 years of being alive um i don't think i've watched most of them intentionally and that's not to like be dismissive it's just they ended up being on or something. The most recent one that I've watched on purpose that wasn't this was Terror of Mechagodzilla. And that was because the title made me laugh really hard. <laughs> so I wanted to see what it was about. And it was on Criterion Channel. But like even um Godzilla versus uh no. Um yeah, Godzilla versus Kong, I think. It, yeah, yes. I did see that, but uh kind of by accident, like it was just on TV. Like you know what I mean? Like, I just kind of stumbled across it. Godzilla 2014, I think I saw in theaters. Uh, Shin Godzilla, we watched for this. Terror of Mechagodzilla, I streamed at home. Godzilla, the first one. I probably saw that out of my own, but like Mothra, I just saw on TV one time. Mothra versus Godzilla. Um, most of the rest, I think I just sort of stumbled across. So, like, I wouldn't say I'm like um, an avid fan per se, uh, but I've got like a enough of a familiarity with it um they've also changed quite a bit like i think you know like even like comparing this movie to those original movies it's kind of wild how do you how do you feel about them besides just being familiar with them like personally do you like them do you like that concept um i love the concept i really i find a lot of enjoyment and charm in the older how the older movies look and how they operate there's a fantastical element to them that's kind of absent here like there's like fairies and aliens and shit um mm -hmm. and like uh i think Ghidorah comes from space and like aliens built mechagodzilla to fight godzilla to like get something and there's a space godzilla and there's all kinds of crazy shit so they're kind of fun just to be wild jaunts of like fantasy whereas obviously the first one Ishiro Honda's first movie was very specifically like meant to be a metaphor for like um, the devastation of nuclear war. And then that message, or at least a version of it, be it environmental or something else, in my experience with the movies, how limited it is, never really goes away per se. 
but it takes different forms and like there's really silly ones like there's one where like godzilla drop kicks a guy by flying across the ground on his tail godzilla has a son that he hates godzilla teams up with well he doesn't hate his son um but he, he kind of like he has to, he, he gives his son some tough love that maybe wouldn't fly if it was he's, a real child he's disappointed in his yeah. son. He's disappointed well, when, in you, his when son. you've had 30 plus movies you're gonna have to have like offspring and spin off yeah and, so there's yeah. there's son of godzilla and then obviously like yeah he teams yeah. up with jet jaguar which is the big kind of cool power rangers-esque man and king uh, kong and mothra and, fights king kong and, teams up with monstra uh mothra i should say godzilla meets scooby-doo godzilla meets god Kish. i wish <laughs> godzilla meets john taffer i will say i would like to read you guys the titles to the three animated godzilla movies that came out after this because they're awesome uh godzilla planet of the monsters very, godzilla very cool. city on the edge of battle Ooh. Godzilla, the Planet Eater. That's wow. a good one. That's a so good. The, one. Scale, the scale is very different. I'm pretty sure those movies take place in space. They gotta, and that sounds like a trilogy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those were yeah, they were intentionally made as a trilogy. Two of them came out in the same year. Uh, they seem pretty fucking sick. Honestly, I don't really know what they're about, but they look cool. Um, I would be curious about those for sure, but yeah. uh, I have not had a chance to take those in myself. Um. But yeah, and it's it's amazing in a James Bond-esque way. It's amazing how this thing has persisted and maintained a level of relevance that so many things don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's necessarily as relevant as like the Bond franchise, but it definitely is. It's definitely like one of the biggest sort of ex- exported um yeah, like well, I mean, I think it depends on where you are, but of like course. everybody knows what Godzilla is. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't, I don't mean to. I don't mean to say that. Yeah, <laughs> everybody knows that. Yeah, and I like it's amazing that something that came out in 1954 has maintained that relevance and on both sides of the ocean because Americans can't stop trying to reboot that shit over here. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> That's got to come from somewhere. Yeah, I mean, Brian Cranston in a Godzilla movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> Roland Emmerich did that shitty one in the 90s that nobody likes. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Matthew Broderick. Hey. Eh? Yeah. I think I actually might have seen that one. I'm, and then, uh, yeah. yeah, there was Godzilla King of the Monsters and then the Godzilla versus Kong one. I just realized I, th- I thought I saw Godzilla versus Kong. I think I saw Kong Skull Island. Yes, you have told me. Because I saw Adam Wingard's name, and I'm like, oh, yeah, he did one. But I'm realizing I think I actually saw the other one. Also, uh, this Wikipedia page is showing me spoilers for fucking Godzilla versus Kong. Corey, was it, oh, God yeah. damn it. was it for Kong Skull Island that we visited the set, too? Yeah. we. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a fun uh, detail that has nothing to do with Godzilla. Uh, Mitch and I were in Vietnam, and we went to some of where they shot that uh, Kong Skull Island movie. In Ning Bing, yeah. We went on it's beautiful. Little, we went for a little motorbike ride, and then we uh, we visited. Nearly Earl. got murdered uh, by uh, learning how to drive one of those just by actively driving on active roads. <laughs> yeah, driving with trucks. Pretty, pretty <laughs> dangerous. Pretty fucking sketchy, but, you know, live and learn. It was and, a great uh, buzz. Yeah, that was a good time. Uh, yeah. Also, the list of monster co-stars for Godzilla vs. Kong is absolutely making me lose my mind. If I give a spoiler warning, can I read them? Because it's really funny. Yeah, go Does for it. Does anybody man. care? No. no, man, I don't care. Monster co-st- co-stars of Godzilla and Godzilla vs. Kong. King Kong, Mecha Godzilla, which I didn't know about, and that's fucking sick. Um, Skullcrawler, <laughs> Warbat, 
Hellhawk. <laughs> what so, the fuck? Are these are all like legacy characters? You think? I don't know what any of those things are except for Mecha Godzilla. Oh. Mecha Godzilla is like a Robo Godzilla, right? Yeah, it's a big robot version of Godzilla that I believe aliens built. <laughs> Look at that. Let me fact check myself really quick. I wonder whose team all those characters are on. It sounds like it's a triple threat tag match. Godzilla in his allegiances kind of ebb and flow. Yeah. Like uh like he'll like fight somebody in a movie and then he'll become like allies in that movie. Right. He'll have a son um, and he'll love him and then he'll hate him. The next second hates him, disappointed in him. During the fight, the first Godzilla is revealed to be Mechagodzilla, a massive robot armed with advanced weaponry made of the same strange material, later revealed to be space titanium. Space <laughs> titanium. With space titanium awesome. all along. That is awesome. Um, yeah, I love this shit. Uh, let's just go ahead and say Mechagodzilla was built by aliens. Um, I'm not seeing anything here that confirms that. Not seeing anything that denies it either. Uh... Wait, no. Uh, Miyajima hypothesizes based on Mechagodzilla's advanced technology and composition that the robot is an alien superweapon. Oh, but they don't even say, hey? Like, that's just a hypothesis. They might. I don't want to spend too long reading a Wikipedia description for a movie that we're not talking about Fair enough. Uh, out loud into a microphone. Godzilla arrives on Monster Island during a thunderstorm and is struck by lightning multiple times, reinvigorating itself. I don't want to spend too much time reading this Wikipedia page. <laughs> but I am going to read about Monster one, Island. Yeah. Um, sorry, man. This shit is too fucking cool. Um, I do really like those movies, even though I have not seen all of them. I love it for little shit like that, like an alien-built robot Godzilla and Monster Island and lightning strikes and aliens and fairies and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um but most of that's not in this movie that we're talking about. Um, it's a much more grounded to an extent <laughs> because Godzilla does still exist. Take and um, let's get into that. Let's let's get let's get in here. So um, let's start with Liam. You had the least of a baseline here. So uh, what you think about Shin Godzilla? Um, if you if you hear any chirping behind me, that's just baby Godzilla. I really loved this movie i i really loved it um pretty much right from the jump i was like this is such a cool premise um i i love that we see godzilla so quickly um in little fragments um and because of its ubiquity um just that everyone knows what godzilla is it's like it's kind of a master, masterful storytelling that the story gets us to connect with these characters who don't know what Godzilla is, and it still feels intriguing and, and mysterious and exciting. Um, so, to be I honest was, with you, I didn't think that was Godzilla for like thirty minutes ish. Did you think they were doing like a bait and switch? Uh, yeah, because a lot of the other movies feature big monsters that aren't Godzilla, so I thought it wasn't Godzilla. He does have gotcha. a new look in this one. He does. Or rather, like a, a close to the old look, but also... Several new looks. Everything old is new again, I suppose. Anyway, keep going. Um, I found that over the two-hour runtime, I did get a bit less excited in the second half once they figured out what this was, once we saw all of Godzilla and um, they realized the threat 
you know, Godzilla comes from the ocean to the city and now they just know that they have a big monster to deal with. And at that point, it gets it gets uh, a bit more clinical and that they're just like arranging the military to take him down and stuff and it also gets much more explicitly political even that stuff even though that stuff is there throughout the entire movie it's a very political movie but the themes really come to the forefront near the end um and so i i did lose the thrill that i had in that first 45 minutes or so because it went from being uh, genuinely unsettling to me and and also very interesting to being just more um, uh, it was a bit easier to tell where the movie was going from that point and I was still along for the ride because the movie had hooked me and I really liked I like the writing I like the acting I like I really like the premise and it sticks with that premise all the way through that we really just stay with these people and their discussions and then it cuts back and forth to Godzilla. And so I was into it the entire time, but the first 45 minutes really blew me away. Um, And I came away from the movie uh, all in all really liking it uh, and just liking that first half a bit more. I know I don't usually go second, but I'm going to hop in here quick just to say that because I agree with um, the premise of Liam's enjoyment, which is that I really like the first half and the second half kind of lost me. But um, I do want to just argue slightly about the themes of the movie becoming more apparent as the movie goes on. I think they're equally apparent the entire time. And uh, that's an equally interesting choice. I think um, the strongest thing about this movie is the premise and that premise being executed well. And I think when you think about the amount of times Japan has had to go through things like this in actual real life, be it tsunami, earthquake, or actual like nuclear disaster, and dealt with the ramifications of what a political response to that mobilizes like and functions and what's being prioritized and what's not, I think it is a stroke of genius to comment or explore that um, in like a Godzilla through the lens of a Godzilla attack. And I think it really does execute that really well the whole way through. Um, I think if I had two, two complaints, I would agree that toward the end of the movie, it loses steam a bit when it becomes more focused on the actual stopping of Godzilla and less um, the interplay of different political and social institutions and individuals and how you're going to come to that conclusion, uh, which, you know, it's a, it's mildly disappointing, but on the whole, I think it's still really strong and effective. But I also think that um, I'm losing my train of thought, even though I had something I really wanted to say here. It's the whole reason I cut in. Uh, Yeah, I can't remember the other thing I was going to say, so I'm just going to, you know, stop and uh, let Mitch go, but I really, really like this movie also. Yeah. Um, I think I arrive at a sort of a different conclusion to both of you. There are things I'm that... stunned. I'm genuinely very surprised. Sorry, please continue. So there are things that I really enjoyed about this movie. Like when the, it first began, I was really gripped and I thought that the imagery was really interesting, like with like the blood sort of seeping into the, or like the whatever sort of fluid he 
he expels like Godzilla juice. Yeah, leaking into the into like the the tunnel. And I thought that there was some really cool stuff going on. And I thought that it was really well adjusted to the digital era and how it was showing the story breaking in real time. And I was I was gripped. Um, but as the movie dragged on, I found that the that the satire was sort of uh, being stretched thin, or I don't think it was being as effective as it as it could have been. Mind you, I don't speak Japanese, so that just could be a, like a, a disconnect with the subs. But I found myself very bored, and I also found the whole cast of characters to be so dizzying that I found the characterizations to be rather poor. It's just like um, people bickering in a room and i love like other japanese movies that are people bickering in a room like but um i just <laughs> don't say i've never paid my credit to japanese movies about people bickering in a room i'm, I'm looking at you high and low um oh, high and low is so good but uh yeah this movie really fell flat and in the end i was quite bored uh i was ready for it to be over and i i honestly didn't really like that this movie that much and I, I know what you're saying about like you know with the contextual framework and and you know japan's responding to crisis is how it how it does those things and it, it does it like you know pretty well but i couldn't get invested into any of the characters and i feel like that is why a lot of the satire might have not really worked as well for me and everything else just didn't work and i i wasn't really i didn't enjoy my time with this movie that much and I didn't. I didn't think the the special effects were also um, that. I don't think this great. movie had a huge budget. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, yeah, they they did what they could, and, and I think it worked. Um, but, and you know, I mean, just because you don't have a a, a big budget is okay. But I, I just think that some of like the the choices to show a lot of the monster. They, I mean, I know in other Godzilla movies they haven't done that, or in like Pacific Rim or other stuff they they didn't necessarily do that, and. Uh, Cloverfield and in this one they're, they they do and I think they show too much and it doesn't I just found it rather boring I think it would have been more interesting if they deprived us of, of seeing a lot of the destruction firsthand or if it was more uh, ambiguous and sort of kept it as a more contained um, story and that's a very unpopular opinion I'm sure everybody, because everybody wants to see destruction but I think I think if they had maybe not shown as much as quickly as they did it might have been more satisfying, and I think you would have had a better sort of chamber room drama. There's a lot there, obviously. Uh, so I'm gonna push back on things systematically. Go we for can it. Just, we can just have a discussion as we go. Um, firstly, uh, let's talk about Godzilla. Godzilla the man, like the um, like the creature design. Yeah, sure. Uh, that's a good because way to I think I think that's the thing where we agree the most. Mm -hmm. um, Godzilla kind of looks like shit uh big googly-eyed godzilla forms like one and two and that's why i thought it was a different kaiju entirely because it looks so removed from a godzilla that i was just pretty convinced that they were doing that thing that happens where another monster will show up and then godzilla shows up and they're like oh fuck now there's two of them and then but then they end up fighting each mm -hmm. other uh i i think the weak yeah the weakest element here is the the animation on the actual monster but i understand why they didn't commit to doing it practically because the things that they want to do by the end of the movie would have been very difficult to do uh with practical effects obviously godzilla has a lineage and you know men in rubber suits and making it happen but um i get why they didn't do that i do actually think some of the destruction i can get past like the materiality of how it looks yeah um 
on the animation level and I do in- enjoy it and I did like it. And I think that the final form of Godzilla looks pretty good, but they waste a lot of time getting there with a big doofy looking monster that kind of looks dumb. Uh, and that definitely can take a bit away from that. I will say though, that um, in the experience of Godzilla, you know, evolving, but also um, just working through the city, I felt like it did a good job communicating sort of like the wantonness of destruction where it's like, here's people inside of a building whoops that building's been destroyed very sort of like indiscriminate in that respect um and i i felt like i was getting something out of that i was gripped by that stuff but um i will say just as a baseline yeah the thing i'll agree with you most on is that this is not the best uh our boy uh godzilla has ever looked yeah and i think for sure i think it like it it feels to me um imbalanced and I mean, I know we're still trying to talk about like the way that the monster looks, but there's so many sort of cliches of like the basic like kaiju movie, like where the military comes out and first they hit him with the machine gun and then they give him the 30 millimeter cannon. And then they to be fair, they didn't know what worked. (laughs) I know there's an element of trial and error when you're fighting a monstrous creature. But I mean, um, I don't know. I just wish I wish it might have. I don't know. I just I just find that sort of. It's in every single one, and I'm kind of tired of it. <laughs> well, yeah. You're, well, I mean, then don't go watch the other ones. You're gonna watch a lot of the same shit happen frequently. Um, can, I would like to push. I would like to make maybe the biggest pushback on your argument to date. Go for it. Push it back. Um, I don't think this is that much of a satire, and I think the reason you're disappointed in it as a satire is because it's not strictly speaking one. Yeah. Um, contextually, it feels like one because Godzilla's not real. <laughs> But I think this is a more earnest attempt at representing that than it would appear on its face. And I think in part you see that because a satire would lean in a lot harder, in my view, to an inherent sort of corruption and disregard that holds back the efficiency of a political response like this. And this movie is like every bureaucrat and politician and character thinking of the best for humanity and trying their hardest. Yeah. And I just don't think a satire would illustrate that in those terms. And I think that um, the reliance on building up more thorough characterization being pushed to the wayside is intentional because the sheer number of people coming in and out is helping to communicate the scale and the crushing weight of like red tape yeah. and bureaucracy and extra steps. But ultimately, and, I think it, I think it buckles under that weight that as a, as a movie. That's fair. And as, I as a story, I can, I, I can see that, but um, I think it, I think it like it, it's, it wants to, I mean, I agree with you that it's, it's maybe a bit more earnest, but there are, you have to admit there are like elements of, of I'm not like saying satire. it's not satire, I mean, but I would, I, if somebody asked me like to categorize this movie, I don't think, satire would be my first answer it's not that there's no element of that Mm -hmm. but um it lacks some of what maybe just because of what i've seen in other satire films don't translate effectively here Mm -hmm. uh but i would expect more of like outright incompetence but there is a kind of a like you said that they're earnestly trying but there is in a lot of ways like an element of cynicism that is directed towards the (laughs) bureaucracy that there is is, but then there's a happy ending which which first of all i was caught out by the happy ending just because hideaki ano does not seem like a guy um 
who loves happy endings. I do vaguely understand that some of the later Ava stuff strikes a more hopeful and optimistic tone. Uh, but the work of his that I'm familiar with extremely fucking doesn't. So I was caught out by the fact that this movie is even a success in that, like the political machine can succeed. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I guess it just worked for me. Like there is a sense of uh, sensory overload that you get early in the movie when every location and character is getting a title card while subtitles are happening and everybody's talking and that like engrossed me further in the movie because it the way that those touches are adding to the immensity of the political weight that encumbers any country's ability to react to something like this I just thought worked really well and it's got that um, quick pace and um, attempt to keep up with a rapidly changing situation. And I think earlier on, especially is when any satirical elements are clearer when it's like, it'll never like, like uh, Liam said, Oh, it won't come on land. Oh, it came on land. Shit. Sorry. Um, And people going off script and things like that. But I think those things coalesced, effectively and beyond that um i think i actually honestly i think it's decreased reliance on satire by way of things that would outwardly be funny kind of makes it more effective at getting its point across mm-hmm. um but yeah you have to admit like like a, a it's, this movie in a lot of ways just feels like a like a hopeless meeting like a, a never-ending series of like hopeless meetings until it's until yeah, that's it's, the point. It's yeah. not. That's <laughs> that the, is what the movie is. That's, that's the movie. But I mean, like, and and at a at a point, I think I think that it is sort of poking fun at like the, the not, hopelessness okay. of, of I need, of the I need to make this response. clear. I need to make this clear. I'm not saying that's not there. Right. But the it's I was not as not much as you as I mean, sure. satire. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I think some of it is more earnest than calling it a satire would put on. I think obviously there is sort of like the futility of in much the same way that's about like the political machine and how that operates. There's also the futility of trying to find a solution to something that you don't even know how to react to or uh, kind of an unstoppable force meeting a movable object. (laughs) Like, uh, you know, a country can only do so much in the face of, uh, natural disasters or in this case the fucking embodiment of god for all we know um that's the that's the tagline the incarnation of god oh is it yeah um, and uh i think there is an as interesting level yeah. of god, looking at god incarnate a city doomed excuse me yeah there is an as interesting level to this of um the futility of that attempt uh that i like to and yeah, you have lines throughout the movie that kind of communicate that level of it a little bit more clearly. Um, I'm trying to find those, but I, my notes were too far scrolled down and I'm getting into all this stuff where they're making fun of the United States. Uh, but like, um, like protecting a country isn't easy and everyone did their best under the circumstances the circumstances being godzilla is here <laughs> which is pretty bad um but yeah like when you're moving through the motions of especially in the early part of the movie which i think we've all agreed is the best part of it um 
you're getting such an overload of new people and agencies and cabinets and ministers and departments. And it's like, this meeting needs to happen in this room. And now certain people need to have a meeting with the prime minister here. And then a meeting can happen there. And then now we have an emergency academic conference on giant unidentified creature with a bunch of and now we have a bio, press conference. biochemists and biologists. Yeah, the biologists are just like, I don't know what this is. Like, I, I just want to keep my job. Like all this kind of yeah. beware. But then you do get interesting bits where it's like the beware of unfounded optimism. Like people are sort of like, hey, we've kind of got this under control. And it's like, um, I don't know, man. Last time that we got a little excited before our disaster response was actually over, it didn't go especially well. Um, and I don't know. I just I like the way these things come together. I also think it does an okay job of characterization. Um, within that, like uh, the fucking uh, misfit team that we get, <laughs> where uh, it's all one note, but like you you know who's there for what reason and what they're like and how they might react to this or that thing. And I liked that group of people. I thought the actors did a good job with that. But um, anyway, we're kind of all over the place. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess Liam's the one uh, caught in the middle of, of our bickering here. So I'll throw Come it to on, him quick Dad. to see if he's got thoughts. Stop fighting. <laughs> we're not fighting. Um, uh, that's what they always say. And then we're discussing you know, vigorously. They're getting I'm divorced. sleeping on an air mattress every other weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just go into your room and watch cartoons. Next thing you know, I can't see my son Godzilla again. <laughs> um, I I agree the movie has satirical elements, and I agree that the movie ends up um, actually being more of a straightforward depiction of uh, um, nationalist optimism and, and what might happen if Japan had to be faced with a, a a giant disaster uh here it's depicted through the fantastical elements of godzilla but i think in general the movie is um uh just kind of like hyping hyping the country up it, um, it's so funny that you say this because the prime minister of japan at the time liked the movie because of its like pro japanese elements yeah and that's not surprising to me at all and uh i think um I mean, I I'm not in that I'm not in that culture. I'm so unfamiliar with that culture and that and that history, and so I can't say. Uh, um, I can't like disregard that as being lame the way I I would if this were an American movie. <laughs> you know, right. if, if an American movie ended up culminating just with those themes, um, I would probably American be rolling my eyes. Tastes very different. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And so, but I but I can say that um the the first chunk of the movie where the elements uh the commentary is a bit more satirical. It's a bit more wild. We don't know what's happening. Stuff like um, the prime minister telling everyone that it'll be okay. And then he immediately learns that it's not going to be okay. Um, within the first half an hour or so, we, we do see all of Godzilla, which I thought was a really strange choice. And we, we see Godzilla destroying the town, like knocking over a, a giant high rise and killing people. And um, I was just thinking to myself, this is such a weird uh, structure, like pacing choice. Where is the movie going to go from here? I'm so interested, but I'm also confused i had to check at that point to see if i had accidentally started the movie halfway through and this was like right near the end mm -hmm. um 
but it wasn't. It was it was the first half hour, and so I was I was thinking, where is this movie going to go? And it ends up going in a very straightforward place. Like I said, it, it ends up being pretty predictable in that um, I realized, oh, this is they're taking this very seriously. Um, they're just trying to figure out a way to destroy this monster. There's some action movie scenes. They end up destroying the monster through a bit of creativity, and it all just felt a bit. Um, by the numbers um and so that did disappoint me and that's why i didn't come away loving the movie the way i thought i would like after the first half hour or so i i honestly thought this was going to be like a 10 out of 10 movie to me um even with the monster design in mind because i agree that uh some of the cgi um looked pretty weak particularly like when we see um godzilla i think it's the first time we see godzilla's full form in frame even though there's a lot of smoke happening and so it's not clear but he is pushing a bunch of boats through down like a river and breaks yeah. through a bridge yeah and i i thought i think that's a cool idea but i just thought oh man 20 2016 and the cgi is looking like that i i see that they're kind of trying to hide it with the smoke and stuff and also just for narrative purposes it's cool to not show the monster entirely but i just thought oh that that actually doesn't look super good. So I was a bit worried there, but I I ended up finding that um, the, the movie found its footing um, and maybe prioritized the later scenes um, in terms of like the work that they did on the monster digitally. Because once we end up seeing the the transformed version of Godzilla, the one you'll probably see on the posters and the stuff. The fourth that, form of Godzilla. Yeah, that looks more like your typical Godzilla. I thought it looked so cool and freaky and intimidating. And I've gone on record on a couple episodes of this show, most recently, I think, the 10 Cloverfield Lane episode, saying that like just giant monsters really, really scare me. I, I, ha- I haven't seen any Godzilla movies before, uh, um, because just like the fantastical campy uh, elements don't really appeal to me. Um, and Mitch is right that something like Godzilla, everyone knows about it the same way that like everyone knows about Star Wars. But I also haven't seen Star Wars movies because it just never interested interested me. And so I've never ventured into Godzilla because I've never thought that... Um, even though my fear of like just giant monsters that could easily kill you is there. I've, I've never thought that that is the Godzilla franchise's primary purpose. At least like that's not what it ended up becoming because you have stuff like son of Godzilla and like this monster versus this monster where like it's more of a spectacle and it's not necessarily trying to scare you. Um, all of this stuff is just is 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 unfounded because I haven't seen the movies, but that's the impression I've got, and that's why I haven't seen the Godzilla movies, despite being scared by big monsters. But with this movie, um, it totally stoked that fear in me. Like when another kind of cool, like humorous, dramatic irony element um, is when one character says that uh, um, he says. Uh, this is, I think he says, this is no laughing matter. We got to take this seriously or something. And then we cut to um, a giant, looks like a tail, but we don't know it's a tail yet, like coming out of the ocean. 
and just like flapping around and they, and they don't know what it is if it's like a tail of uh, a whale or something like that and seeing that massive tail i just got a huge pit in my stomach i was super freaked out and then when we see big ass googly-eyed godzilla it's de- definitely unlike any Godzilla depiction I've ever seen in pop culture. And even though the CG um, in that section, I think, is weaker than what it ends up becoming, I was freaked out by that design, man. I liked it. I thought that it was just so unsettling, like um, so, so unexpected to me, thinking that I knew what Godzilla looked like. Um and it was like kind of like bloody and like it had like stuff on its back that was like opening up and it was all red on the back. And I was just like, what is this thing? This looks like some sort of creature that would come from the bottom of the ocean that we've never seen before. And so it did put that element of fear in me um, as someone who has never seen any Godzilla movies, but feels like I feel like I got the idea. This movie, this, this, this monster design was like, Oh man, that is actually really freaky. And so um, where the movie started to lose me was when we uh, just continued seeing so much of Godzilla when Godzilla became what I expected expect him to be which is that more modern design even though i thought it looked really good um we end up seeing so much of it that it becomes a bit less scary and so i think if the movie had um had done what mitch suggested which is show less of it as the movie goes on and then really culminate in uh showing it all um i would have been uh more more over the moon and also if it had been more of a uh um satirical uh maybe a bit more like pessimistic pessimistic commentary just because those are the sort of stories i like like i like dark stuff i don't necessarily like pump your fist in the air type stuff um so uh that's where the movie lost me but the um how 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 floored i was in the first 45 minutes took me a long way and then it ended up coming to a place that that i wasn't all the way negative on it's it's just like a tear down what i think it was doing um in the first half yeah i will um i will say that uh i don't know what i will say i forgot i was going to respond to something you just said and i lost it again <laughs> <laughs> well, I threw a lot at you, so it's no yeah, surprise. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, yeah, um, I I don't know what precisely I was gonna I was gonna get back to you on, but I I can understand why somebody like your mileage will vary on this movie for a hundred different reasons, uh, depending on the kind of viewer you are and the kind of things that you're interested in. Um, oh, got it. Glad I stalled for a second because I just remembered. Um, I was extremely caught out by how um optimistic the movies ultimately is um i think especially because uh it does spend a a relatively little time getting into um political commentary that could be more explicitly negative like there's a bit of bumbling near the beginning when like you know they don't have all the information and they're saying the wrong things and they're going off script but like aside from kyoko and patterson as like the u.s liaison and sort of like insights into how 
um, the United States is viewed as leveraging its weight against the rest of the world and um, the odd geopolitical space that Japan occupies as not being an overwhelming superpower or anything. Um, there's not as much of that, and there is not a willingness to show it's it's willing the movie is willing to say that bureaucracy is over encumbing and inherently um a sort of stifling impact on society's ability to react to things or perhaps just function adequately but it's not willing to say that um that is also because of um corruption and self-centeredness and selfishness because aside from a because I can think of the dude near the end of the movie, uh, the slightly bigger guy with the glasses, who's like, no problem, uh, Yaguchi, I'll help you out. Just keep me a space when you're prime minister, baby. And um, like cutting a deal with a journalist that he'll get first publishing rights if he leaks some info to the government. Like, it's not willing to sort of step into the presumed backdoorness of the politics and the bureaucracy at play. And I thought that was kind of odd. That would be maybe my biggest gripe is that it feels like it's picking at shots in kind of a weird way. Yeah, and I wonder if that's just because, like, Godzilla is such a huge thing in Japan, and so, like, so many people are going to be seeing this movie. Um, it'd be a tough sell to do something more negative and have people turn against you. And also, it's, I think, the first, like, uh, like, big budget live action toho godzilla in like a while right i think like they I think so. they they hadn't done one like it was it's since the american one maybe um i can double check that if you want me to um yeah because i'm just wondering if this is like this is like their reclaiming of godzilla well, it after was a, a long it, time it was it's the third time godzilla has been rebooted in japan mm. um there was a 12 year gap between this and godzilla final wars Right, okay. But within that, you would have had the Gareth Edwards movie um, as the gap. Because there was a big gap in Godzilla, just period. Um, I don't know if there was any animated stuff or television that I'm unaware of. But between like 2004 and this movie, there wasn't really anything. Um, so it is a reboot in that sense. But I guess when Godzilla as a character initially exists as a metaphor for you know nuclear calamity um and environmental ruin i guess i don't understand what you have to be precious about it with um when in this movie it's your stand-in for uh like a natural disaster and i mean if you want to make a movie that is illustrative of the country's reaction to natural disasters which it's actively has had in recent memory like um you know, it's not like this comes from nowhere. Like, uh, that nuclear reactor meltdown was, like, 2011. Like, that's not ancient history. And I'm sure there are a lot of people that were not happy with how that got reacted to. Like, it feels like it's in response to something. Uh, I don't have the political history to know precisely how. But I feel like for this to be as relatively clean cut as it is, it's missing an opportunity to make a more pronounced stand 
whether critique or otherwise, but I personally feel like it's holding some punches. Yeah. And I don't know why. I, I, I just wonder if, because it's like such a big production, it's a, such a huge legacy, so many people are going to go see it. Well, the movie uh, itself was a small production like it was it had a budget of like 15 million dollars wow is that big for is that big for japan if because it feels bigger than that because i'm not sure i'm not sure like what the the scale of references like but let's be honest like that's that's not that's a mid-budget movie at most yeah and in the u.s that's that's a that's a not a very big budget but it's a it's a small budget but like it's it's for something that so many people are gonna hear about and read about or or go see you know the same way that like the halloween movies right now by blumhouse like they have small budgets but like they they're doing something that they know is gonna get a lot of attention and so you've got to be kind of careful about what you're doing with it and i just wonder if like the filmmakers had any other choice like i wonder if this is just the story they were totally interested I feel in like telling they, or they had they... to have because my my loose understanding of at least hideaki ano who also wrote the movie and directed it and edited it and everything is like he doesn't strike me as a guy who would hold those things back also for context's sake um this was the third japanese reboot of godzilla uh, the second American reboot of Godzilla was the Gareth Edwards movie in 2014. Its budget was 160 million dollars. Damn. I wonder how this much... movie's budget was 15. I wonder how different that one looks. Uh, well, I mean, like how in much? What... And in like the effects way, like are the effects just way better? The action, like look, the uh, creature looks more realistic. It's more realistic. It's also it's also way darker. Like mm-hmm. this Godzilla also exists in perfect sunlight almost always, which isn't doing it any favors. It's the same reason you keep like slasher villains in the dark. <laughs> like, um, different movies. Like that is a that is a blockbuster scale movie on purpose. This movie's scale, I think, is intentionally smaller, but it's because its focus is radically different. Because like. Uh, American Godzilla movies get a lot of flack for focusing too much on the people in them, but the Godzilla there has to be raw spectacle in a way that I don't think the Japanese one necessarily needs to because there are so many Japanese Godzilla movies that it feels like every time you're reintroducing it to an American audience, you have to reprove what Godzilla is all over again. Mm -hmm. And they wouldn't have had to do that here. So they could start a lot smaller. They could afford to do that. But I also think that means they could afford to, you know, be more blunt <laughs> if they if they wanted to be. Because uh, there's a chance that they didn't and that, like, the optimism and avoidance of uh, explicit, inherent corruption, of which we only see, I would say, a small amount, could be intentional. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, how did you guys, just so we don't get too bogged down, how did you guys feel about... Um, the way the rest of the movie looks you go mitch i don't i, I don't have a, an issue with the way that the, that the movie looks like outside of its outside of its cg and given the confines of its budget i think it does like a pretty good job we already spoke about how we feel about the creature but i think it's completely serviceable i don't think it's it's i i mean it might have won awards in that department but i i don't know if it like a, it's it's fine it's just like office rooms and 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 just destruction I, I don't i don't really have any real issues with with that um i think it's like a fine looking movie 
uh, all things considered, just like you know, not including the creature, but yeah. I really like some of what it does, like stylistically, though. In the original sequence, uh, or in the starting sequence, when the boat is adrift in the harbor and it's sort of a mystery, and we get like sort of the, almost like the found footage in in the um, in that boat, and they they find a pair of shoes just placed in the room, but it's in the middle of the room, but it's completely empty. I think that sequence is interesting, and I think the way that they use found footage, and you know. Uh, footages of 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 web pages and people's conversations and how it tries to infuse like digital conversation and like screen captures and everything into like the disaster genre i think that that's really innovative and really cool and i think it i think it definitely adds to the overall uh, quality of the movie yeah i i think so too and also i want to give um i mentioned earlier that i actually really like how every individual politician and bureaucrat gets like a title and a name uh i love that um i think it's hilarious and i think that giving that level of information really helps illustrate the scope of the level of hoops that people have to end up jumping through and that's also communicated like there are discussions happening earlier in the movie where they're trying to decide like can we even declare a state of emergency like right now like what are we allowed to do and sort of like uh, trying to find space for like there's no legal precedent for that so he'd have to like pass a law and it would be this whole thing i feel like those conversations are built on a better foundation when it includes the level of overwhelming information that you're given um i also like uh one there's one shot that i think is a really good miniature that i'd like to shout out which is um Near the end of the movie, Godzilla uh, like snaps an office building in half, and they show the inside of the office building like crumbling and falling apart. And I'm like ninety percent sure that was a miniature for whatever reason, and I liked it. Um, but uh, even later on, like when they're talking about what statutes of law and policy give them the the space to do X or Y thing, and they just superimpose the text of the law on screen over the actors i really like that it gives it a unique visual flair that uh it's not actively trying to get from godzilla itself obviously you do get that and like the nuclear beam looks pretty cool um and especially at night i think godzilla obviously looks best at night and those little shots that we do get are really good but i think the movie looks its best um doing small stylistic flourishes on otherwise mundane backgrounds um and i also want to give a shout out to the movie's selective use of like really wide angle close-ups um for example when they discover that godzilla can like mutate on its own as each individual person in that misfit group comes to the realization because there's um there's like the biologist guy who always has a towel around his neck and then there's two other people who, frankly, to be completely honest, I did not catch specifically what their responsibilities would have been. There's a dude with a laptop and a girl with a laptop. Uh, and they both, you know, like have their realizations about, oh, it's the girl who's brought in um, as a favor who is low ranking in like the environmental department, but she's going to have the right answer. She's in the misfit group and there's somebody else. But as they each realize a new thing about Godzilla, there's like a really tight, wide close up. And I like the way that those shots are used selectively to communicate, like when things are getting bad and desperate and shitty. <laughs> um, I I like those small flourishes that the movie decides to take. 
I noticed right from the beginning that there was some small flourishes going on, even uh, in the stuff where I wouldn't expect there to be flourishes, like in the in the office buildings. Um, one of the first shots uh, in that building is like someone hanging up a phone and they hang it up directly on the camera. Yeah. Um, and I, I was just like, you know, it's like kind of like it's the sort of thing I might do like uh, when I was like in the seventh grade making a short film and I was just like interested in putting the camera in, in wacky places. But like it's also it just makes me smile. Um, and there was stuff like that littered through a lot of the the office stuff. Um, I'll, I'll actually I'll, a whole lot of like a camera beneath something looking up at it, like looking up at uh, much like we would notes. look up at Godzilla. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I also really liked that the movie was shot during the, the daylight, even the Godzilla stuff, because I like um, the way that that um, the Godzilla stuff contrasts or or maybe it doesn't contrast it kind of just like blends right in with the the office stuff because the office is obviously very brightly lit um under the lights in the building and then there's a whole lot of cross cutting in the movie which i thought was really effective particularly in uh, the the first half of the movie when stuff is still a bit more mysterious and so I like cutting from the the brightly lit boardroom to the the sunny day outside and you have Godzilla just like ravaging the city but it feels very realistic to me because it is uh it it pretty much looks like the office building it looks like it would take place in the same world whereas I, a lot of um the American movies from what I've seen in the trailers at least and on the posters it's much more uh dramatic exaggerated in that like godzilla is seen in in very dark beautiful shadowed spaces that like only a camera could capture these textures and it 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 feels more a lot more grand um but this one i thought that it felt a lot more grounded and so when we got stuff like godzilla pushing over a building or godzilla like being shot and falling into a building and breaking it which which just like broke my little heart because i think godzilla ends up looking so cute in this movie and i really felt for him <laughs> um and uh and then there's like there's cool miniature work i noticed some of that too i also noticed some uh shots where it kind of looked like it was like a dude wearing a mask but it was shot very close up so that it didn't it wasn't, you know, Godzilla is huge, but like it kind of looked like a detailed mask that was just put on something for a close up of Godzilla's face. And I, and it's shot in the sun. And so I thought that that the way that that um, uh, was set up right against the the lighting in the boardroom um, heightened the the sense of like. Um, unease that I had because it kind of looks like the boardroom but also uh, in contrast to the boardroom of like just people talking it's something very otherworldly happening um, and I also really like the found footage aspects that Mitch pointed yeah, out there's those like are really cool there's 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 quite a few like vignette type segments in the first half of the movie some of it takes place in the office buildings like there's one really good one where we cut to these three um, biologist type professions uh yeah these, these three people and they're they each give their opinion on what they think the the creature with the tail is and then it 
it cuts away from them. And I just thought that was so cool. And then we we also get those vignettes in the outside world of of either news broadcasts or people filming with or something as Twitter. they yeah uh, and people filming with something as they're running away from the creature and so it's this bit of found footage stuff that did remind me of something like cloverfield and uh i i thought that all that stuff really spiced up the movie and so i think uh in that second half when the focus just becomes the the military and uh and the government and um and their focus like becomes more clear where they know what's going on now. And so they're, they're just looking to take down this thing. It became less interesting to me. You know, I've said it once, I'll say it a thousand times. Yeah. Um, I've been frustrated for a brief while here because there's an actor. I want to give a shout out, uh, because I just liked him a lot. And, um, I'm on IMDb and I cannot for the life of me find this guy on the cast list and it's i just i don't know where to find him uh because there's a lot of cast members without their character name listed and i thought he was going to be present enough to get his character name listed and i can't find it so uh i'm gonna shout out this guy by just giving the character name because i've reopened my stream of the movie that i rented and i found him while we were talking (laughs) Because I wanted to figure this out. So, um, M-E-X-T, Basic Research Promotion Division Chief Yasuda. Good job, my man. <laughs> like oh, you man. I wish I could see a pic of I him wish I could, I could give a more myself. specific shout out than that. Um, yeah, like the such a big cast of characters. Like I was shocked that the the prime minister character doesn't have a spot on the Wikipedia page. I guess his name is just in that big paragraph that we mentioned. He's not one of the three mentioned. And I kind of felt like he was the main character, at least for the first half of the movie. Um, I think the first half's more of an ensemble thing, honestly. And then Rando Yaguchi kind of starts sticking out because they center him as like the head of the other group, basically. Because he's very much the guy who is posed as like the one who can be optimistic about shit actually getting done. Right, yeah. Mitch, do you have any thoughts about the big cast that you haven't mentioned? Because when Corey was breaking down the plot and, and talked about how there's all these characters, you, you said something about how that might be... Uh, um you know, you might have thoughts about the big cast. Yes, I, I definitely do. So I think it I think it works to its detriment, the the size of this cast. Uh there's there's simply I mean, I understand that they're trying to convey it as like a cohesive force of like public servants and other people working together to sort of stop this creature. An inconsistent force too. <laughs> or incohesive. Like I think yeah. it goes both ways. Well, it, it, it certainly it certainly goes both ways. I think I think near the end they kind of they pull it together, um, but I think it kind of it buckles under I think its its own sheer scale and and sort of what it's trying to do because I don't like I don't think I I don't like know anything about these people or I don't really I don't really care about them. I mean the only thing that I really care I mean I would I would don't want to see them get killed in a, a calamity, but um, like I. I also don't need to see them taking their daughters to ballet practice to care, but I think it 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 just doesn't work for me. I I I, I couldn't get invested into anyone necessarily, and I think my expectations were kind of wrong as well um, with what I was hoping for, like this sort of uh, drawing room drama to kind of evolve into. Um, I was hoping I was hoping for like a, a different trajectory or um, 
Um, yeah, some, something else that, that didn't quite click. I'm not sure what. Yeah. Um, really quick, I'd like, to, I'd like to make a slight correction to something I said earlier. Um, I don't know if the movie is necessarily straight up holding punches necessarily, but I think there is a weird disconnect in how part of the earlier part of the movie, now that I'm thinking about it more, does illustrate like the lack of preparation on the part of the government for a disaster of this magnitude, I guess, regardless of what its cause is, because nobody was predicting Godzilla was going to walk out of the ocean that day. But um, I guess the thing that I find kind of weird is that there, there's only a, a, I'd say really only the first 45 minutes of the movie or feel super concerned with um, like the inability of the government to mount an effective reaction. Uh, but it does have things in there. Like when it's so meeting heavy and uh, committee heavy and needing to like ask other agencies and get laws and stuff. And um, it, describing that red tape as the foundation of democracy uh, I guess that is itself a pretty strong commentary uh, and um, the beware of unfounded optimism line really does kind of take on new meaning when you realize that shit just goes from bad to worse. So I'd like to amend that slightly. I think it maybe could have done more, but I don't know if I was totally right on that one. So just quick mid pod correction. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I said earlier too, for me, just the size of the cast, I think, I think helps communicate that. Um, and the scope of the inefficiencies of bureaucracy and how it can lead to just people dying when the best answer you have to Godzilla arriving is like, I don't know, institute a curfew and we'll do a press conference. Like that's the best you can do. Like people are going to die. And um, yeah, I mean, hell we've pretty recently seen um, what ineffective government response to crises can look like and it's usually a lot of dead people so <laughs> well that's that's funny you mentioned that because i was actually just about to ask you guys the inexplicable question um i don't think inexplicable is the word i meant i mean inevitable inevitable yes inevitable question uh did this movie make you guys think of covid while you were watching it not while i was watching it but um i think that was because i was pretty engrossed in the movie to be completely honest with you Oh, that's the dream. Um, I was absolutely thinking of it. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. It's hard not to, right? Like, especially with the benefit of hindsight. But a lot of people and, you know, health officials and whatever were saying these things at the time of like steps that we could have taken to curb the virus faster and more efficiently. And, um, you know, discoveries about things like aerosol transmission becoming clear in some cases months before they were actually acted on and so it's hard not to make that parallel right because you know people fucking died because of those decisions yeah like, and and i made that connection early on um uh, i think based on lines uh in the boardroom like uh one person asks someone like how do we plan for something that is unprecedented and there's a lot of discussion like that in the beginning and so it was on my mind and maybe that's why the movie didn't end up sticking the landing with me just because uh in relation to my experience in north america if i'm putting myself in in these characters shoes it's like i just don't buy that they would have came out on top like this so efficiently and figured it out it feels like too neat of an ending especially considering how uh 
confused and 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 a bit bumbling these officials were at the beginning of the movie then and they we're saying have that it all part figured of the world out for the parallel that we're making that did pretty okay so if we're saying that then there's no way it tracks all over the world no yeah so, so I'm, I'm just thinking about maybe that's why the movie uh didn't didn't stick with me what about you mitch what do i think i think uh yeah for me it doesn't stick the landing i i think i just wanted a different movie like i wanted I know it's not productive on TMA to be like to be like imagine this, but like what if it did that instead? Um, like, could you imagine? I don't if- know why that would be unproductive. I think we do that all the fucking time. <laughs> we do, and it's not that productive. But I'm gonna I'm gonna do it right now. So uh, look out. Could you imagine <laughs> if this movie like had like the I guess like the comic timing of like of Strange Love or something, but like in that sort of like same contained room, but we're dealing with a Godzilla. I would have loved that. Um, I but wanted, here's my, okay. So here's my problem. Though. I just didn't have fun with this movie. Like it, that movie exists. Go watch it. Uh, I think the movie that this ends up being a lot of those movies exist too, which is why it ended up being not as interesting. I don't think a movie that's precisely like this existed before they made it. Uh, I don't know. I think, it, I think a lot of it feels like same old hat except for you've got like a spin of japanese nationalism i don't even think it's an inherently nationalist movie <laughs> it just turns out well yeah um oh i, I think i think it's- and i think it skews that way because it's critical of the united states but like who isn't <laughs> oh who, you know well, yeah, like- yeah i mean rightfully so especially coming especially if you're japan you know i mean we know how this movie got started <laughs> i also think like here's the thing you know I think that this movie doesn't get made if there wasn't um, a sense of both the terror of an ineffective response and a genuine dissatisfaction with how Japan has reacted to go- uh, to crises like that in the past. Because certainly, between um, the tsunami and earthquake and the reactor meltdown, like oh, you know, that was tragic on a wide scale. And mm. I'm not saying that you can't make satirical, funny things out of that. But I think if this movie, which already features a giant monster in it, was also trying to have like a whip crack kind of pace and elevated satire, it would fall under a different kind of weight, which would be the weight of trying like too many things at once that are trying to be um, super uh, rapidly entertaining and funny while communicating that i think the movie does a better job communicating what it's trying to by not relying on those things as much and having a cleaner view of what that process actually is by step yeah i don't know i'd just rather and it that's be... just going to be a difference of opinion like we're not going to fucking solve this tonight we just i'd rather it try to it. be entertaining i just i, I wasn't really it is entertaining enter- uh, not, it's for, just not, not it's for not me trying to do that well you can say it didn't try to be entertaining it just didn't work for it you. didn't work yeah i tried I because guess. i th- i do think that it is i i don't think it's a different kind of entertainment that you can get out of that um yeah because i just don't know how you would juxtapose like because I agree with Liam that some of the stuff with Godzilla genuinely did kind of unsettle me despite moments of bad CG. So I just don't know how you would rectify all of those things and try to make it essentially in its satire funnier. Like, I just don't know. Hmm. I don't know what that is. I don't know. I'd love to see a, I'd love to see a movie like this played more for laughs. Did we... Uh, do you think we've gotten to everything? Because I feel like I had a lot of notes that I haven't referenced. But 
That's not necessarily a bad thing. If you want to throw out any miscellaneous notes, yeah, just, you're welcome just, to do just it. Just throw it out. I'm already I'm already giving the what ifs. So I mean do do what you want, man. We're 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 in we're in the rhubarb patch. Yeah, no, I just I, I feel like there's an element of the second half of the movie that does get more explicitly political that we didn't really get into. Like uh the United States uh and the UN Security Council come to a resolution that the solution is to nuke the Japan for a third time. Which feels like pretty extreme comparison point. Um, and then it gets into commentary about uh, Japan's sort of post-war political standing and how the post-war period extends forever. And that these people want to do best for the country and that doing that is difficult. And that's where they sort of get really gung-ho. Yeah on the blood coagulating idea to try to literally save the entire country. And I think the reason this is a successful, more optimistic ending is because of the stakes it built into itself by saying, Hey, like even the USA, Russia and China have come to an agreement. We're going to nuke Japan again. Yeah. You'll never be elected by to prime minister by the age of 40. If you, if you let them nuke the country. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's a good line. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, and I did kind of, I did like the elements of satire that came from like, how do I balance this with my burgeoning political career and just everybody kind of deciding that it doesn't matter, um, which feels optimistic. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know what to make of the more very explicit stuff toward the back half, um, in terms of that thematic element. Cause I, I think like we all said, the, the movie does slip a bit as it goes. Um, there is one line later on though that I just liked. It just it just hit me. I enjoyed it. Um, is when the second prime minister, because the first prime minister and a few ministers get Godzilla lasered to death. Um, they're like, okay, so we have to evacuate like a huge portion of like metro metropolitan Tokyo, uh, and it's going to be a logistical train wreck, but we'll figure it out. And he says, "Don't make evacuation sound so easy." these are people's beloved homes is more or less what he says. And I'm like, yeah, I, what I like about this movie, another thing that I like is that it doesn't, um, trivialize the like individual level. We don't see as much of it, but I think because the angle that it's taking, like you get shots of people in like shelters or hiding or evacuating or like the gridlock of buses. And I like that. I feel like so many, monster movies and honestly superhero movies too even uh sort of take for granted a level of collateral damage that doesn't meaningfully communicate the impact that it actually has on like real people that would live their lives in those spaces so um i like that this movie does um and you do see a lot of shots of people you know working to effectively react on their own outside of the effectiveness of the political reaction um i like that anything else you know something i liked i liked uh near the end when we, there's all these like great wide landscape shots of godzilla and he's like standing like either uh, just amidst the city standing that godzilla but, stand he stands but you see him like from a distance or you see godzilla like standing next to a mountain um i thought that was scary i also i thought the first time he breathes fire like i forgot that that was a godzilla thing and so he was like charging up to do it and then he did it 
and then like these beams <laughs> of light were coming out of his back and i was like holy moly what is that i thought that was so sick that was like my first that you always remember your first time seeing godzilla breathe fire and it hit for me i thought that was awesome i liked when they were talking about uh what hit what his name could be like what they refer to him as um that seemed like it might be like some stuff that the fans would appreciate maybe some like self-referential stuff uh um as they're rebooting the franchise and i also really liked uh you know i've talked a bunch about how i liked the beginning of this movie um and so one other thing that i just really loved at the beginning was um you just see brief very brief shots of strange things happening like what looked like blood pouring into that car tunnel um yeah and then then you cut to the the boardroom um and also you start with like the the found footage stuff of the people on the boat and then the boat starts shaking and then we cut away from it. And I just loved that it, the movie started with these these visuals that like aren't super clear they're, they're You're only there for like a few seconds. So it's very atypical from uh, you a cold open where you see something scary happen and you finish it off. Like you see someone die, right? You see a big piece of destruction happen. Then you cut away. This was like, you start to see the destruction happen. Maybe you think that's what's about to happen. And then it cuts away. Um, And then for that to be like the focus of the first 20 minutes of the movie, like they're talking about this thing that I wasn't even sure I saw. I didn't even know what it was. And now I'm, so now I'm right there with these, these, uh, characters as they're like trying to figure out what was going on so i thought it was a very clever way to put us in the shoes of these characters even though we have more information than them because we know that we're watching uh, a movie with godzilla in the title and so uh a whole lot of stuff that i really liked in the movie um but i think i started off my opening thoughts saying i love the movie and now that i've talked it through i have to pull it back a bit and say you know I like this movie. Seven out of ten movie for me. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably give it like a six. I'd say it's a six out of ten well, for me. Well, hey, look at that. So for giving number ratings, you know. I'm not going to give a number rating, actually. Yeah, number rating is more, morally opposed. I did it because of peer pressure. Everybody else was doing it. Well, what I was going to say that I think is just interesting is that I think that means that for the first time in the three-person structure of They Made Another One, we can comfortably say we have somebody who loved a movie, liked a movie, and didn't really like a movie all at the same time. And yet our ratings, uh, it sounds like, might be like a six, a seven, and maybe like an eight. (laughs) (laughs) All right, but I think that kind of covers it. Uh, Let's go to the thing that terrifies us most, the William Castle film genre. (gasps) Thank you, Mitch, for that lovely scream. So, Liam. Big yes, question sir. for you. How many movies we got on there? All right. Well, with Godzilla out of the way, um, we have a grand total of 317 items. Okay. Always got to little... say items because who knows what I put on here at 4 a.m. There might <laughs> be a like a, a TV Christmas special book comic, you know. We have done a TV Christmas special already. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's not out of the question. So the Buddy I just wanna... the L- yeah. Uh Bazinga Boy voice. <laughs> Just got to temper expectations. Maybe it won't be a movie. We'll see. Yeah. So 317? Yes, sir. All right. Fellas, big money. No skeletons. Oh! Three, two, one. <laughs> that scream. Maybe with that scream, right? Oh! Um <laughs> uh 239. 
Uh, okay. Okay, so 238, everyone. Well, we just missed it. In an alternate universe, we would be doing Adam's Family 2019. Huh. Okay, I can live with that. <laughs> I can live with not doing that. For now. I mean, it's still there in a wait. <laughs> For the next William That movie Pastor actually got a sequel. Maybe we should do the sequel instead. At this point, yeah. It didn't have a sequel when I put it on. I don't think. <laughs> Uh, I guess I got to put it on, and now we're we're a bit more likely to have to do an Adams Family movie. And right below the movie we stumbled upon, a little bit of a spoiler, there it is, a movie, uh, 240 is The Hills Have Eyes 2. Not clear okay. whether it's the remake or the original. I guess we'll cross that bridge if we ever come to it. But 239, Corey, I think you've got to do a bit of the explanation of this one. Because, as I recall, you know what this franchise is, and I haven't the damnedest idea. Okay. But don't get too excited, because this isn't something you're into, I don't think. It's just like uh. you, know, you know of it. <laughs> this 239 is Beyond Skyline. <laughs> oh, um, so that's, there was three Skyline movies? The Resident Skyline Expert. Go. Um, I, 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 I saw the first one. I know that. Hey. Uh, um, uh, now I don't know what else you want me to say. Cause I don't remember what it was about. No, that's all I, that's all, that's, um, I think that's all I need. That's all you had shared with me. Before. Oh wait. Oh, I was wrong. This is the second one. Right. right. Uh, there is skyline beyond, beyond skyline, skyline and then skylines. Plural. Checks out. Checks out. That sounds like a, tr- that sounds like a trilogy appears to be an action movie <laughs> well, let's just stumble into it man let's go mitch have you ever heard of the skyline franchise no never oh man it stars one of the guys from the raid and the night comes for us is here okay oh, I'm, I'm Corey, this is gonna be two weeks in a row you know much more than mitch and i about the Hold property on. don't say much more i i am looking at the wikipedia page that's why i knew he was in the movie i don't know shit about this no i know less than nothing <laughs> untrue because the franchise you've seen the first one you know I don't this exists. remember anything about it i have no idea what it's about you know a hundred percent more about this franchise than mitch and i is that true mitch i don't know that Corey guy he knows everything about skylines he's a he looks <laughs> at the skyline and he says one day this town belongs to me um okay um <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i don't know shit about this so that'll be interesting all right so uh get ready to not just go to the skyline but dare i say past it uh next week but first uh mitch do you have anything you'd like to plug and just like that, that was a relatively gone. quiet one well, didn't you hear him? He fell down a bottomless pit. He's gone. <laughs> Damn. Actually, uh, I hit the bottom. It's not very far down. I think I broke my. It's not very far down. I think I broke my. I think I I fell down a bottomful pit. This pit is full of bottom. <laughs> it's only bottom down here. <laughs> I can't find the top. <laughs> Uh, Liam, do you have anything you like to plug? Isn't it kind of weird that like pits don't have tops? Like they have an opening, they have a beginning, but it's not. It's a, top. a hole. 
but they do have a bottom. Like, can you well, have they, a bottom they, without a top? They I have guess like you a, can. They have, well, the top of it's the lip. Like, there's a lip. There is a lip. Yeah, it's the top. I don't know if that's the top though. It's vertically higher up. It's the top. Uh, you guys can find my <laughs> film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallow. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Corey Pricing. Listen to the other podcast I do, uh, MK Podquest, uh, with our friend Neil, that I, I'm pretty sure I mentioned earlier this episode, so I won't talk about it too much. Uh, and that's at MK Podquest on Twitter uh, and all your podcasting services. Thank you all once again for listening to this episode of They Made Another One. This one only. I'm thanking you for this. Uh, I'll have to thank you every other time for anything else. You can go listen to those. Uh, you can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word, and on Letterboxd at T-M-A-O. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, uh, a bottle shipped in the sea that washes up on a beach, and you open it, and you unroll it, and it's Braille, and it's the episode. You can find that somewhere. Uh, you can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and the next person or monster that Godzilla should fight. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson, who you can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And we'll catch you here next week to learn whatever the fuck a Skylines is. On They Made Another One? <laughs>